Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casual and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show, beavers! That's it. That's what we're talking about. Just beavers, straight up beavers, whole time. 100% beavers, 100% of the time, 100% beavers. Beavers, part one, beavers. Part two, beavers. Part three, more beavers. It's all about beavers, our favorite architect of the world. We're gonna discover that not only are they incredible animals, just how they are constructed, but how they construct the world around them and shape the ecology and the environment. And they have had a surprisingly large impact on human history. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, will God get mad at you for eating beaver tails? Joining me today is writer for American Dad and co-host of Quick Question with Soren and Daniel, Soren Bowie. Welcome! Hello, hello, Katie. Thank you for having me. The way that you were describing this episode, it made me feel like I was walking down the street in 1970s New York. <laughs> And just all these smut stores around me that are just like, beavers. Beavers, part one. Beavers. Beavers everywhere. Beavers all the time. <laughs> that must have been what it was like. 24-7, all beavers, no questions <laughs> asked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm talking about beavers because you requested it. You asked for beavers. Yeah, I I did. This is, uh, this is like, I got, I don't know when it happened, but at some point my eyes were open to the beaver and I was like, this is the most important species in North America, yeah. and I wouldn't. And I wanted to talk about it, and I had no opportunity because no one wants to hear about beavers outside of like these very specific circumstances. So I jumped at the opportunity. Yeah, when you gave me you gave me an animal to choose. Yes, this is the place for it. Uh, yeah, beavers are surprisingly important, and I think that they are maybe like I don't know if goofy would be the right word for it, but they're just very 
affable looking. They don't look like, you know, it's not like a, a, a jaguar or a lion where you're like, oh yeah, that's a keystone species right there. But here they are sitting with their little paddle tails and buck teeth nibbling on right. some twigs. And you're like, oh, you're, you're just a beaver. What's the big deal? They, the way they walk is very funny. They kind of lumber around and they, they their tail's too heavy to even pick up. They got to drag it. Even when they swim, they're kind of silly looking because they only swim with their back legs. Yeah. They're real fun. There's nothing elegant about a beaver. <laughs> they're kind of scary. Have you ever seen one in person? No, I haven't. I've seen one. I used to work on golf courses when I was younger and golf courses are like, well, beavers are the bane of a golf course because <laughs> they can flood areas of it. And also they build a lot of the golf courses in like these lowlands, these like the low yeah. flat areas at the beginning of bottom of like glacier ruins. But um they they are huge like they're much yes. bigger than you expect and they're terrifying looking because their uh teeth are like this bright bright orange yep yeah yeah they are not the cartoon beaver with the chubby cheeks and the bright white teeth uh who look small and cuddly they're huge they are hefty and they have bright orange sharp chisel like teeth which are as terrifying as they sound to be frank like you were right to be afraid <laughs> of the beavers don't let anyone shame you for being afraid of a beaver uh there's been at Thank least you. one fatality from a beaver a beaver uh i believe bit a man so deep uh it severed his femoral artery and he died oh my god yeah. i thought you were gonna tell me that a beaver laid some sort of macaulay culkin type <laughs> With a had a tree fall right, right, right. A, a sort of Rube Goldberg device of trees and twigs and a pine cone, and then just like a big boulder. Yeah, no, he just bit him real good, and he died from being bit okay. so bad. Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't remember Home Alone entirely, so yeah. to be fair, still could be that could have happened. I don't remember. I definitely don't mean to make light of anyone's death. Every death is a tragedy, but God. That must have been awkward. What a way to go. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's not the most noble of deaths. Like I was talking about earlier, you get eaten by a jaguar or a lion and you're like, ah, oh, he, he was mauled to death by a lion. It's like, wow, okay, what a way to go out. Mauled to death by a beaver? But, you know, they are a keystone species. So maybe that's a consolation prize? Probably not. Probably not. Uh, so <laughs> beavers are giant rodents. They uh, are the second largest rodent in the world, beat out only by the capybara. So, yeah, they are. Oh. Yeah, they they're rodents. They kind of maybe trick you a little bit with the flat tail instead of the long fin tail, but they are absolutely rodents. And oh, that sounds so gross when you say it. <laughs> rodents. I don't, yeah, I guess that's not, like, that's not my favorite aspect of the beaver, that they're part of that family. But, I mean, I'm willing to live with it. But capybaras are rodents, and they're adorable and sweet. I don't know. I kind of get creeped out by capybaras. What is wrong with they you? They look really strange to me. I do like that the like, other animals seem so um, uh, disarmed by them, that you always see, like, a bunch of other animals yeah. around them, just like, yeah, I love this thing. It's a big <laughs> stuffed animal. But- I don't know. They're the all of them look like they like a, a civil war general to me. Like the uh, way yeah. their hair hangs Very over serious. their mouths. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Colonel, looks like I'm going to eat some alfalfa. <laughs> that's what they would say all the time. 
you you weren't kidding. You're great at improv. <laughs> <laughs> this watering hole is full of gators. Doesn't bother me none. <laughs> so uh, there are two species of living beavers: the North American beaver and the Eurasian beaver. The North American. <laughs> The North American beaver lives in North America. The Eurasian beaver lives in Eurasia. So the North American beaver is longer with a wider tail, and the Eurasian beaver has a thinner tail and a longer snout. I can't really tell them apart. So they all look like beavers. I was pretty excited when I suggested this to think, oh, I wonder if there's, I bet there's accounts from when they first came to the United States. And I was assuming at this point that because I live in the United States, there are no beavers anywhere else in the world. And I was like, I wonder what it was like for them to first encounter beavers. And so I was like, I'll look up Lewis and Clark and see like their accounting of it. And then I was like, Oh, no, they all knew what beavers were. Yeah. Everybody knew what beavers were for centuries yeah. because they're everywhere. <laughs> but maybe uh, something that you might like to hear is that certainly monks that would uh, be scribes, they didn't know what beavers were. And their interpretation of the beavers were extremely funny. Uh, yes, I would like to hear. Yes, those. We, we will talk about that uh, later in the show. Um, but just a teaser, monks didn't know how to draw beavers. They really, they gave it a, sh they gave it the good old college try, uh, the good old uh, monastery try, but no, no, didn't know what a beaver was, didn't, uh, didn't really grasp sort of the critical aspects of the beaver and how you would uh, represent what a beaver is. Um, so yeah, there were, there are definitely accounts of people who didn't know what the beaver was and what to make of it. Just some quick, fun beaver facts. Beavers in the wild live to be about 12 years old, but they can live to be almost 20 in captivity. Most adult beavers weigh around 40 to 70 pounds. That's 17 to 32 kilograms. So they're, they're, they're big guys. You know, they're hefty. Uh, they can reach up to around 4 feet or 1.2 meters long. So, yeah, it, you, it is correct to fear the so beaver. Big. They're big. They're really and like you, their their body is just a, like a big mound too. Yeah. So when you see them, obviously the tail gives them some extra length, and that's a little unnerving to see a big leathery thing dragging yeah. behind them. But like they they they're pretty tall. Uh, when they get old enough, like they're as tall as a little as like a moderate slight moderately sized dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, old fat beavers because they keep they can keep just growing almost until they die. They can weigh up to a hundred pounds or forty five kilograms. Jesus. So. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I don't know why, but I just, because beavers actually form these like cohesive family units where they, they're um, um, uh, monogamous, what am I trying to say? Monogamous. Monogamous. Yeah. And they will have like these, you know, sometimes live with their extended families. I'm just imagining this like old like beaver patriarch with like a stogie sitting on the front porch of the beaver lodge, <laughs> just this massive mound of beaver. It's like, lift up Pap Pap's tail. I left a log under there to chew on and I can't reach it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good little beaver. Thank you. Uh, but speaking of large beavers, an extinct species of beaver was the giant beaver, which was a bear-sized beaver that lived in North America during the, oh boy, 
Pleistocene around 3 million years ago and went extinct around 12,000 years ago. So we definitely coincided with a giant bear-sized beaver, uh, which, you know, you're, uh, it's fair to say you're maybe a little bit cautious around normal-sized beavers. Imagine a bear-sized beaver with the teeth and the tail and just the beaver energy, but sized up, you know, to bear. I'm, I'm looking at the skeleton of it, and it's scary. Yeah. This is great. I, I want these now. Uh, this thing is... <laughs> oh, here's a woman posing next to a statue of one, so I can get some real context here. They're... Uh, her their teeth are about this like one of their teeth is about the size of her face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you I mean have you ever seen like a a beaver with just like a little twig that they sort of snap in half and easily chew through and get all the green nice living tissue out of? Imagine that, but it's instead of a twig, it's you, you a person. Yeah, this thing could bite with through my leg yeah. with one bite. Easy. Easy. It could like floss its teeth with your entire body. No problem. Uh, weirdly enough, it turns out humans survived rather than the beaver. So when it was giant bear-sized beaver versus humans, we came out on top, which seems improbable uh, given that the, be the bear-sized beavers were around six feet long or almost two meters and could weigh up to 280 pounds or 125 kilograms. So... They're also semi-aquatic, just like their modern relatives. They could take a massive amount of oxygen and remain underwater for extended periods of time. So you could be an ancient human living in North America, just bathing in a river, and then just a massive bear beaver comes up out of the water and looks at you with its bright orange teeth and beady little rodent eyes. Boy, I mean, given how family-oriented beavers are and how like they need that sense of affection. Mm -hmm. If you could steal one of those baby beavers, mm -hmm. I guarantee at some point, uh, ancient man tried to domesticate and then ride one of them. Tried to, to mount the beaver. Yeah. I That probably I happened. Could... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, surely they would... I, there's no other reason to domesticate it, I don't think, other than maybe you could try and just, train it. I but... am trying to think of like the riding the beaver, though. It's like, hi-ho, beaver. And then it's just sort of waddles. You know, yeah, I guess I don't know how fast these are. Not, they probably can't cover much ground. Not too fast, no. Um, yeah. but you know, you could like put your you, that would be if you don't need to go too fast, you could ride the beaver yeah. and like set your kid up on its tail, whole family just sitting on the tail. You're on the beaver, right? You know, it's about the experience. You don't get a beaver to go from A to B. No. I mean, you get a you get a beaver because that's like your fun ride. That's right. the one you take out for like a real spin. Right, exactly, exactly. Uh, and they don't have like the upkeep of like a giant sloth. Uh, so, you know, it's it's a good option for for a small family, I think. Um, <laughs> can I get you in one of these bad boys today, Soren? <laughs> you know what? I think I'm sold. What do I have to do to get you onto one of these bad boys right now? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, its brain was smaller proportionally to its body compared to today's beavers, so it was a lot dumber. So maybe that's why it died out. Uh, oh. Humans may have hunted it to extinction. I can't imagine like wanting to face a beaver in combat, but it's possible. There's not really evidence 
of that. Uh, but somehow they were there, big and beavery, and now they're gone. So who knows? It's sad. It is sad. I bet the, I bet the saber tooth tigers got them. <laughs> uh, I mean, but I don't think they could. Because, sure, saber tooth tigers, they got the big teeth, but beavers, they got even bigger teeth. And just like they do, rattling their teeth together really f- like sabers. That'd be fun to watch. A though fascinating thing. So we go to we, the La Brea Tar Pits is here in L.A. and I go there frequently with my child. And uh, I learned a fascinating detail about saber tooth tigers that is obviously tangential to this, but I think could help inform how the t- saber tooth tiger might have killed the beaver. Which was they didn't grab their prey around the neck because like woolly mammoths and stuff had so much fur and everything yeah. around their necks that they weren't choking out their the same way like a tiger or a lion now would just like the easiest way to kill something is just cut off its oxygen right supply. yeah so like they just bite hard enough to do that but the saber tooth tiger couldn't do that because everything in the ice age was so furry yeah and, like thick with with fat so they would just jump on its back whatever it was a ground sloth or whatever and they would dig their teeth in as far as they could and then just follow the animal as it bled out across oh, wow. miles and miles so it's like <laughs> like a capri sun you just punch punch a little hole in it and suck out the juices <laughs> that's right and you just wait you yeah just wait. well maybe maybe a saber-toothed tiger could just kind of do a capri sun on a giant beaver i don't know i wasn't there <laughs> speaking wasn't speaking of giant teeth though beavers have some of the most interesting impressive teeth in the natural world and i'm talking about present day beavers beaver teeth constantly grow because they do indeed eat trees this is one of those things that like as a kid i was like they eat trees and then when i was like a young adult i was like there's no way beavers eat trees that's got to be a myth and then now it's like yeah they eat trees you know uh so like they do (laughs) eat tree bark um They are herbivores. They eat a bunch of different types of plants like aquatic plants, lily pads, cattails, rushes. They'll eat roots, leaves, ferns, human legs. Uh, They eat tree bark and cambium, (laughs) which is a fleshy layer just under the bark. It's full of sugars. Um, They use trees not just in their diet, but in their construction project, which we're going to talk a little more after uh, the break that's coming up. But um, before we talk about that, uh, the teeth, the teeth that allows them to cut through all this wood, they are amazing. Their teeth are constantly growing because of all the heavy duty chewing they, they have to do. If their teeth didn't constantly grow, they'd wear their teeth down to useless nubs in like a month. I feel very um, connected to beavers because I actually clench and grind my teeth. Uh, it's like I have bruxism, so I'm just like constantly clenching. And every time I would go to the dentist, they're like, you're just going to have like nubs for teeth if we don't do something about this soon. <laughs> yeah, I I guess I'm a little jealous of all the I think like rats are the same way where their teeth just keep growing. Yeah. Uh, and that sounds great. I mean, because I, I'm constantly having terrifying dreams about shattering my teeth or my teeth falling out. It's a and common there was one, just yeah. M- more and more tooth behind all of that, I'd feel so much better. The whole, I mean, just the prospect of chipping a tooth now seems like... <laughs> then you're screwed. Oh, God. Yeah. You won't survive. <laughs> you can't eat anymore. Yeah, no, I mean, that it is a problem for uh, a lot of animals. If there's a problem with your teeth as a carnivore or an herb, I mean, basically anything that needs to use their teeth to eat, which is most animals. Yeah. If your teeth go wrong, 
then you just, you die because you don't have any method of eating. So with beavers, actually, if they are unable to wear their teeth down, they can also die. Because uh, if their teeth are misaligned and they don't get that constant wear, their teeth still grow. And so what happens is their teeth just grow and grow and grow. And, you know, have you ever seen pictures of, like, gross, really long nails and how, like, when nails get long enough, they start to curl? Uh, it's the same thing that happens mm-hmm. with their teeth. It just, they grow until they start to curl. And they can actually grow up from their mouth and curl around and, like, puncture their own skull, uh, which is horrible. Awesome. And so I, so I so I gave you a picture of it. Okay, let's take a look. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, he's not long for this world. That will just go right into his brain, right? Uh, it. I mean, it depends where it hits him in his skull, but probably, yeah. I mean, this one kind of looks like it's getting him, getting him in the eye a little bit, which is not great. Uh, <laughs> there's no, it's also like once that's happened, it's not very easy to eat or probably think with tooth in your skull. So yeah. if tooth in the skull doesn't get him, probably the inability to eat well. So not, not a great, uh, not a good thing. This happens to, uh, any beaver that has a condition known as malocclusion. So, yeah, uh, beaver retainers would potentially save beaver lives. But uh, for a healthy beaver, their teeth will be worn down into a perfect tree-cutting chisel shape. Because, uh, like you mentioned earlier, Soren, their teeth are bright orange, and that is because they are so rich in iron that they have this discoloration. So their enamel on the front of their tooth is packed with iron. And on the other side of the tooth, it's softer, just made of dentine. So as they chew, it causes uneven wearing because the front wears slower than the back, and that causes an angle uh, to form. And then that way, their teeth are actually shaped like chisels, and that chisel shape is much easier better at getting into wood and cutting into it like an axe that's really cool so it's they're just basically you're creating a a sharp edge yes every single time they they self-sharpen they self-sharpen they're constantly growing and self-sharpening it's i mean i wish i had kitchen knives but it was just a beaver i guess that would be really good (laughs) because then you wouldn't need to sharpen them you just uh you know wouldn't need to get a new new beaver when it wears down. I guess you would need to get a new beaver like in 20 years when it dies, but no, that'd be great. Could you imagine how fast a beaver could like julienne a carrot? Perfect. Oh man. <laughs> oh, it'd be uh, it'd be so quick. Yeah. Oh, I so there's a, a documentary, I think it's on PBS, it's on nature, uh where they that's the one where they made me fall in love with beavers. And in it they're talking about how uh Every single night, like a beaver can chop down tons of trees. And I thought I thought it took a beaver a very, very long time to chop down a single tree. Like you think about the diameter of like a a birch or something that's maybe a foot or twelve inches. Yeah. And it turns out that they could do that in like four hours. Yeah. That's yeah. Nothing to them. <laughs> yeah. If it's a small enough tree, uh, they can sometimes fell like a more slender tree in just like fifty minutes. It's crazy. Uh yeah, and, and they they will the fact that each individual beaver can bring down a tree so quickly means that they will have huge, huge impacts in their environment. 
you know, you imagine just one beaver being able to take out multiple trees in a day, and then you increase that number to millions of beavers, they have just a massive, massive impact on the local ecosystem in what I consider to be a positive way. Maybe golf courses don't uh, consider it to be such a good thing. Uh, But yeah, we will talk about the way that beavers are one of the world's most impressive environmental engineers right after the break. So exciting. So exciting. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. I, I, so we, we got a cat recently, a little kitten. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, for the first time, put some, I haven't had a cat since I was a child, and I had to put flea stuff on oh, the back yeah. of her neck. Yeah, yeah, I know what that it's is. It's like it's just these little drops. So I like push, as she's eating and very calm, I push this, the fur up. I put squirted on and they're like, be careful not to get this in your cat's eyes. Dude, it's very bad if you get this in your cat's eyes. So I squirted on there and I'm like, good, done. And I pull my hands away and she feels something wet on her neck. So she immediately shakes and it goes right Right in my eye. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh God. (laughs) And so I run to to the sink and I'm just splashing water in there trying to get as much as I can in there. And then I read the instructions again. It was like, if you get this in your eyes, hold the eye open and wash it for 15 to 20 minutes and i was like oh the eye's gone then there's no way i could do this for 15 or 20 minutes and uh it stung and it didn't feel great the rest of the night and then i went to sleep and i woke up in the morning and my eye was crusted shut oh no like to the point where i like pull sleep out of my eyelashes oh no and finally got it open and it was fine again but i was like there was a, a a perilous moment where i thought that's it. That's it for yeah. my eye. At least you don't. At least you don't have to worry about getting fleas in your eye, though. That's that's a really nice silver lining. Yeah. Thank you, Katie. Yes. <laughs> so, Soren, you know how Elon Musk is always talking about how he's going to terraform this and he's going to terraform that. You know. <laughs> no, but I, that seems like something he would say. Just like we'll just terraform Mars. We're going to terraform. Yeah. You know. Going to do some light terraforming over here. Uh, Screw Elon Musk. The real terraformers of the world are beavers. Uh, They have a complex social system and build structures that not only help them survive, but shape the world around them. So as we all know, I I think I can comfortably say, as everyone knows, beavers build dams. It's a kind of their defining characteristic. Um, other than the weird tails and the big teeth. And they also build lodges, which are where the beavers live. The beavers don't really live in the dams. The dams are just to make their area of the water more comfortable for them. So uh, usually they will build in a freshwater area. Rivers, streams, ponds, and lakes are all candidates for beaver construction projects. 
Beavers will create a wooden fortress right in the body of the water. And this fortress where they uh, sleep and they, you know, raise their young and uh, stay warm in the winter is called a lodge. So the dam is basically just, they don't like flowing water. Uh, one could say they hate flowing water. They hate the sound of it. The sound of it drives them uh, to start building a dam. Uh, and the dam will slow the flow of water such that they have a nice, serene, uh, bucolic uh, pond for them to build their residence. We talked a lot about their incredible uh, femoral artery chomping teeth, and they can <laughs> uh, use these to carefully cut trees at a 45-degree angle so that they will fall down efficiently and in a predictable fashion. And they use a bunch of rocks as the base of their dam. And then they use those rocks to weigh down the logs that they stack up. And uh, they use muddy grass to patch up the holes. So some real complex construction going on. And uh, while it doesn't completely stop the flow of water, it slows it down enough that building a lodge is possible. So beaver lodges are where they sleep, where they seek shelter. Some of them can be fancier as a beaver ages and gets more experience, like more construction experience. Their lodges and dam building will get better. And they might add in like a dining room, maybe a foyer, uh, you know, maybe an alcove. Uh, it's a... Uh... <laughs> Uh, so inside the lodge, uh, there's a raised floor above water level. So they actually stay nice and dry, even though there's no entry point outside of the water. So under the lodge, you'll have usually a couple of entrances, if not more. But you have to dive under the water and swim up through a tunnel to get into the lodge. And inside, it's raised up, so they're dry. But nobody, like, unless you're aquatic and willing to swim under this construction, you cannot get inside the lodge. So that keeps them safe from most predators. And they also will create a raft, which is a huge underwater mound of edible sticks and logs. It goes so deep underwater, most herbivorous animals can't get to it. So during the winter, when a lot of animals are suffering from malnutrition or a lack of resources, beavers are all set up. They have this great food supply that they can just kind of quickly exit their little lodge, grab, go back in, warm up, uh, have a little cute little beaver time where they snack on all the logs that they've stored up. Uh, and so <laughs> the only exception is like a novice beaver may build a pretty pathetic uh, lodge and dam <laughs> on their first attempts definitely a learning process. Usually young beavers will learn from the older generations, but it is sometimes a little bit pitiful, like they'll put some sticks together and it immediately gets washed away, uh, which... Well, they don't have to... Uh, they don't always have to start from scratch. I mean, there are like... They'll find... There are a lot of like um, abandoned beaver lodges yes. that then a young beaver can come along and be like, oh, this looks like a nice fixer-upper. <laughs> and they can... And that's one of the reasons I like the beaver so much. Like, I think that home renovation and monogamy are cool. And that goes against the grain. <laughs> Nerd! And I think that if we can start telling everybody, hey, listen, 
these are actually cool aspects. These are, are, are character traits that are really cool. Then maybe everyone would think a little bit more highly of the beaver. Who are you, Tim Allen in the popular 90s sitcom, <laughs> Foam Improvement? <laughs> <laughs> Does that answer your question? <laughs> um, yeah, like they, I guess they, they it's some of the um, abandoned ones that they've torn apart, the lodges, they found wood in there that's like a thousand years yeah. old. Like that they just keep using these places because like, I guess the beavers leave it when they run out of food in a particular area. But then the benefit of having this huge these like deep canals dug everywhere and like these swampy areas is that as soon as a beaver leaves, that place just reflourishes with all kinds of plants and stuff. And the next beaver can set up, set up shop and eat all over again. You're absolutely right. In fact, uh, communal beaver dams and constructions can last for many decades. Uh, in fact, in Canada's Wood Buffalo National Park, beavers have constructed a dam about a half mile long, so that's just about under a kilometer. And it's so large, it can be seen from space, uh, which uh, I just love that. We're like, oh, man, the Great Wall wow. can be seen from space. Human constructions, and it's just like beavers are over here going like, hey, us too. Look at what we made. <laughs> we made this out of wood. Check this out, humans. <laughs> Forget about the <laughs> that beavers. Is how they would sound. <laughs> Don't forget about us. You tried yeah, forget exactly about the beavers again, didn't you? You tried <laughs> to escape on your little spaceships. Not this time. You're not helping me make the beaver cool, Katie. In my <laughs> this isn't a cool voice, Soren. <laughs> I've been doing it all wrong. <laughs> so. Yeah, they uh, have been working on this construction since the 1970s. So this giant dam in Wood Buffalo National Park, it is uh, from the 1970s, if not older. And given that beavers only live an average of 12 years in the wild, this is the work of about four generations of beavers. Uh, so yeah, just they are absolutely capable of these massive, massive construction projects. Sometimes it's multi-generational, probably passed on from one family to the younger generation. Not only can they make huge dams that will cause flooding and, and slow the movement of water, they can also create canals to other ponds, rivers, and bodies of water, like you mentioned earlier. And they do this mostly out of laziness because they don't <laughs> as much as we think it's cute to see them waddling on land uh, they don't like to do that so they will build a canal from their pond to another body of water so they can easily just like zoom right to another source of food uh just like a like a like a beaver hyperloop uh you know suck on it elon the beavers <laughs> i just love that Beavers are such a bane to rich people. They're flooding their golf yes. courses. They're ruining their Walmarts. They're a uh, constant reminder. <laughs> the rich people's Walmarts. <laughs> <laughs> well, they own the Walmarts, right? We go to the Walmarts. Okay. They yes. own the Walmarts. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I, I love that they humiliate Elon Musk because they've done everything Elon Musk says he's going to do but can't do. What are they? So they they're just not great walkers, right? Like they just don't walk well on land. So is it that they're underwater? They're just safer. Is that? Yeah, they're the faster. They they're safer. Uh, it's easier. It takes less. Uh, you know, effort. So like to pull 
wood and and vegetation from another place oh, pulling it on land is a lot harder God, yeah of course yeah so that makes perfect sense yeah they, it's way easier to carry a whole tree underwater yeah than it is to try <laughs> drag it across the land yeah it's like a beaver interstate or i guess like inter interpond interpool yeah interpol yeah <laughs> so all these beaver constructions have a massive effect on the ecosystem which makes them a keystone species, which means a species of animal that has a disproportionate effect on their ecosystem. So they are the biggest architects of the environment uh, other than humans, uh, which, you know, we have a disproportional effect on our environment. But unlike the beavers, uh, we're not maybe taking into consideration biodiversity when we're doing it. Not that the beavers really like right. sat down and thought about it. Like we're going to be environmentally friendly. Like we we want to build a dam and we want to build a big pile of sticks in the middle of the pond, but we're going to do it in a way that's like helpful. Oh, I do like yeah, that. That's it's almost not even fair. Like yeah. the, we are basically this not to get too philosophical about it, but the, like that we are basically this parasite that we treat the the earth kind of like a host where we just sort of like take take take. take yeah. And and the beaver, like, the beaver is relentless. Like, it's just, it's cutting down trees all night. At, at face value, a beaver doesn't sound great. It's damming up water so it can, water can't get to certain areas. It's cutting down a bunch of trees at night. It sounds like, oh, yeah, okay, I can relate to that. That's what people do, too. But no, like, what they're actually doing is, with these dams, they're creating these floodplains, and they're creating these areas that now allow tons of other life to sustain like all these other species now are can come to this one area because now it's much more lush and green than it ordinarily would have been. It was just a straight channel river or, or stream was like flowing through it. And they're so good for the environment <laughs> that they don't even eat any other animals either. Right. They're just sitting there eating their sticks and they're content. And in their big lodges in the middle of winter, they're like, oh, muskrats, would you like to come join us at our lodge? And the muskrats are like, yeah, don't mind if I do. Yeah. Oh, family of rats, would you like to live in here too? And like these other, they're just these... <laughs> They build these boarding houses essentially for other animals. I'm just so mad. I'm so mad that they're. <laughs> well, if it makes the, you the feel any so better, great. from the tree's perspective, the beaver is the world's <laughs> greatest villain. That's true. That's true. Yeah, beavers and lumberjacks. So yeah, you're you're absolutely right. They uh, create these huge wetlands single handedly or like single pottedly, single yeah, single tailedly. Toothedly? It's hard to yeah. It's hard to decide yeah. what the most important all terrible, part of the beaver is in that in yeah. that job. <laughs> all, all terrible puns here, folks. Uh, but yeah, so they raise the water table, so that means that there's more access to fresh water above ground. Uh, in addition, their dams also filter out pollutants and help slow the loss of soil through erosion. And this can change the environment chemically, like raising the levels of nitrogen in the soil, which makes it more fertile and increases the biodiversity of plant life. So beavers move in, change up the water system, and suddenly you just have all these new species of plants that are able to live there because the soil is much more nutritious. There's more access to water above the ground, accessible to plants. And it's amazing. They, they just like make it verdant and full of plant life. Um, this also increases the number of aquatic life in the area uh, that 
thrives in the calmer waters that beavers construct. So things like snails and earthworms, dragonflies, frogs, even mussels. Um, and then once you get all of these little critters into the pond, then that has a cascading effect of inviting bigger animals in. So uh, it increases like fish populations like salmon and trout, lots of birds, uh, especially aquatic birds who love to come in and feast upon this like little biosphere that these beavers have created. Uh, and uh, it can even have like these really unexpected effects like increasing bat populations because bats like to often feed around uh, water, especially where you're gonna have a lot of insect activity. And so you'll, you'll have this increase in bat populations and it's just, it's like kind of a jump to get from like beaver cuts down tree, puts tree in water, and now you have more bats. Uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, what's the problem? How is that hard to understand? <laughs> the beavers make bats. Beavers, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that's that's the thing, right? So, like, bats, like, Batman is uh, really cool, but really, Beaverman would be, uh, would be able to defeat Batman, right? I mean, <laughs> by the laws of nature, yeah. yeah. Beaverman. Yeah, I guess like beaver, probably, <laughs> I guess in this analogy, I guess, um, you know, what's his name? I, I was going to say Jeeves, but I know that's not right. Batman's butler. Uh, Alfred. Oh, yeah. Uh, Alfred, Alfred, right? Yeah, Alfred. Uh, yeah. He would be Beaverman, right? Because Alfred is the one who fostered uh, Batman. Yes. So Batman, Bruce Wade wouldn't be here without Without Alfred. Without yes, Beaverman. That's absolutely right. AKA Alfred. Yeah. Sorry, Beaverman. Beaverman. I can't believe I keep calling you him. Keep Alfred. blowing his cover. <laughs> <laughs> it would be really funny to have Batman like putting on his mascara and like putting on his coal and being like, I'm going to get in the, the, the car. And Alfred's like, Aren't you forgetting something, Master Bruce? And he's just dressed as a beaver. <laughs> he's like, I don't. I don't know. I think maybe not tonight. Could you Alfred. could you at least lose the teeth? No, Master Booth, that is an integral part of my costume. <laughs> and Batman just doesn't want to go out with Beaverman. He takes him out a couple times just to be like, well, it's like doing a ride along with a cop. Like he's gonna take him out just to let him see the sights and let him feel like he's being part yeah. of it. But like really Beaverman just kinda gets in the way a lot. I'm the terror who slaps in the night. Do you have a warrant for this, Master Bruce? I told you not to use my name. <laughs> Master Bruce, Batman, Batman, Master Bruce, I am so sorry. <laughs> but yeah, Beaverman, uh, much cooler than Batman. Um, they have uh, just an enormous impact on the ecosystem. Uh, yeah, I mean, like anything that has an impact on the ecosystem, they can have a negative impact on some species. So... Uh, animals that would prefer a fast-moving river to a pond, some migratory species of birds that want dense forests rather than wetlands, they'll have a negative impact on their populations, but in the balance, beavers increase biodiversity. So for every like species that is not pleased with what they've done with the place, there's like five others who are like, yeah, this is great. We love everything just being a big old yeah. swamp. There's like, they, when they want to reintroduce wolves to an area in the United States, they're like, well, are there beavers there? Because like they need beavers <laughs> yeah. there first yeah. before like wolves can even be reintroduced. It's it's like they, they're connected to every other species. And it's like, it's like a big game of um, seven, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. 
uh, where you're, they all lead back to the beaver, but it just takes a little while to figure out how to get there. How, how many degrees do you think Kevin Bacon is from a beaver? <laughs> just, uh, I could figure it out. Probably just one, right? <laughs> it's just Bacon to beaver directly. There's no, there's <laughs> yeah. no middleman. Yeah, I think it's probably true. Beavers have a direct think... line to Kevin Bacon. And vice they can get versa. a hold of him right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah they've got. <laughs> he was like, "You are do you do you like Kevin Bacon? Do you do you like him? Uh, I can get you right in. I right in with Kevin Bacon. I could invite him over. You want? We could. He could be here by two o'clock. He loves swimming. <laughs> I'll just put some uh, put some logs on the stove and he'll come right over. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, it's they're an amazing example of how it is definitely possible to drastically alter the environment uh, without causing a total collapse of the ecosystem, which is something beavers have done. But humans, you know, mm. you know, we we got we We're got yet. a few light <laughs> issues with our uh, <laughs> like punching a hole in the ozone and beavers are like, oh, well, you don't want to do that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't know that beaver. Maybe some more species will really like this. No, that's not. I'm that's pretty not sure. Works, no. Uh, have you thought about maybe just putting some sticks in the water? That's pretty nice. <laughs> we tried it. It was boring, beaver. <laughs> Well, when we get back right after the break, we're going to talk more about the relationship between beavers and people. And stay tuned until the end of the episode because we will be revealing the answer to last week's mystery animal sound contest and giving you a whole new mystery sound to ponder over. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Beavers, beavers, and some people. Yeah, so beavers have had a very complex relationship with humans going back to ancient times. We have often used beavers towards our own twisted ends or thought of them as pests due to the flooding that they can cause, which I think is sad. I like beavers. Well, yeah. We hunted them almost to extinction. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's, I think that's sad. <laughs> I know it is sad, right? It's pretty sad. Uh, if you have listened to some of the older episodes of this show, or if you've listened to Alex Schmidt's great podcast, Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, the episode on vanilla, um, which I'm biased towards because I was actually the guest on that one because he knew how much I wanted to talk about beaver butts. You may know that beaver anal glands secrete a musk that can be used as artificial vanilla flavoring. Yum, yum, yum. Give me some of that yeah. butt. Just imagining a farmer waking up in the morning, you know, the sun's rising. He goes out to the barn. It's filled with beavers. He gets out a little tiny <laughs> pail. It's like, all right, chompers, it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> Just expressing those glands yeah all right let me just get right in here chompers i know i know it's, it's... 
Uh, and they make such fun little noises too. Beavers do kind of like a. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in medieval times, uh, people mistook the beaver's anal glands for their testicles, and uh, because in medieval times, actually, people did uh, want to use that anal secretion called castoreum uh, for a variety of things: uh, perfumes, vanilla flavoring. Probably an aphrodisiac. Uh, I actually don't know that. It's just most animal parts, most like weird animal parts where we're like, let's eat this. It's usually something like, oh, yeah, this this will set the move. Some beaver anal gland juice. Uh, is that what castor oil is then? No. Castor oil is from oh, okay. uh, castor seed, I believe, uh, whereas castoreum oh. is the beaver butt juice. So, uh, but yeah, in medieval nice. times, they thought castoreum came from beaver testicles. And so uh, <laughs> there was a myth about beavers chewing off their own testicles so they wouldn't be hunted. And gosh, medieval monks sure tried hard to draw this happening. <laughs> they really did try. Uh, uh, one guy said it and they're like, good enough for us. Put it in the books. Yeah. yeah. I'll draw it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I, I shared this with you, Soren. Of course, it'll be in the uh, yeah. show notes, but it is a picture of a hunter on a horse, you know, majestic, beautiful stallion. And then a beaver. Uh, it looks. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> kind of like a dog. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it is chewing its own testicles off. That's the important part. Its tail isn't yeah. quite what one would consider a beaver tail to be. It, no, it has uh, these kind of long, elegant la back legs. Yeah. And it's got uh, some kind of like sharp ears. Uh, yeah. It's... And yeah, then like a little kind of like a whiff, a, a whiff of a tail. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they're trying to show that it's flat. It's not. There's. <laughs> There's not a lot of beaver connection I'm seeing to this. And, and this is a theme. Uh, if you just Google like uh, medieval beaver drawing, uh, not many people pass the test of, uh, you know, is this a beaver? To the to the credit of the monks, I don't think they understand genitals generally because there's something strange going on with the horse as well. And not that I'm like, that's the first thing I'm looking right. at when I look at any picture <laughs> kind of sounds but... like it, but, uh, you know, the, go on. The, the horse... The horse's genitals in this picture are also very confusing. There's a lot of like curls. It's happening. a little bit of a sort of um, looks more like a note signature or something on a piece of music. <laughs> yes, not it really does. a you know, and not I'm not get, you know not to say like I would have preferred them to have lovingly crafted a very realistic horse uh, apparatus, but you know. Yeah, and they, they do have an interesting idea for because, like, the beaver is chewing off its own testicles, but the position of it is, like, <laughs> not quite uh, yeah, physically speaking, sense-making. The, the testicles don't look like quite, they look more like labia major. Yeah. The <laughs> it actually, you know what? If you didn't know they were testicles, it kind of looks like an attempt to draw the big beaver teeth. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's the most beaver aspect. You're absolutely right. That's the most beaver aspect of this entire picture. Right. But those it's, are, in <laughs> fact, actually <laughs> testicles. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Maybe they thought their teeth were testicles. Man, medi medieval guys must have been really sick with something. So like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's what that's what 
they're looking down. Yeah, that's what a normal testicle looks like. <laughs> that's what, how they became monks. They realized early on, this can't be right. This can't be right. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm just gonna go to a monastery. So, <laughs> I don't think this is right. I won't, I'm not gonna put any more thought into it. <laughs> this is just can't be it. Yeah. Well, in fact, you know, the not only do beavers not chew off their own testicles, testicles have nothing to do with castorium. It is just the anal glands, the musk that they use for territorial marking. Nevertheless, people throughout history have tried castorium for a number of uses for the treatment of ailments such as vertigo, flatulence, epilepsy, sciatica, hiccups, and toothaches. Uh, none of these, I believe, have ever been, like, backed up by any data that it works. It was also thought to be useful to treat toxic womb syndrome, uh, and hysteria in women, which were very, very real diseases and not things doctors <laughs> just made up to explain when, like, your wife didn't want to cook dinner for you every night. Uh, yeah. I just love... I don't know. I love all the weird names we gave to like women just generally not being super happy with like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just women's not like, yeah, get the general displeasure yeah. of the system that was built for to, to, yeah. to put them in a cage like their have, whole lives. I was saying, oh, I do think I might like the right to vote. Sounds like you've got a case <laughs> of womb with legs. <laughs> a case of the yeah. flying womb. Yeah, because wandering womb syndrome was another one, which I don't, I guess they thought the womb went somewhere where it's not supposed to. But yeah, so apparently uh, beaver, anal, beaver anal glands, good for um, the disease that women would get when they were less than happy with medieval life. Um, so <laughs> probably the beaver butt juice doesn't help with most of these ailments, but it does have a chemical composition that includes salicylic acid, which is from their tree bark heavy diet, which does make it somewhat chemically similar to aspirin. So maybe there were some legit uses for it. Uh, but disclaimer, like I wouldn't go around huffing beaver butt instead of just going to the pharmacy and getting an aspirin. Uh, I'm, although the way things are going now, I just feel like that's going to be the next thing, right? It's like first horse butt <laughs> medicine, now beaver butt medicine for like, you know, yeah, for uh, just anything, any weird thing we can try to put in our bodies uh, as long as it's, it doesn't come in like, you know, a pharmaceutical bottle. Yeah, as long as the Western medicine didn't create it. I think that this is good. Good thing to like put away in your brain if you're ever in a hatchet situation. Yeah, yeah. Right? So you're out there in the wild and uh, you got a headache. Find <laughs> a beaver. Give it a shot. When you survive the ordeal, come back and tell us. If a beaver chews off your legs and it really hurts, grab that beaver and rub its <laughs> butt against your face. You know, it's only yeah. fair. Beaver causes the problem. Those glands. Yeah, just like, look, you took my legs. Now I'm taking your butt glands. Um, uh, this is just kind of a fun little thing. In medieval Europe, uh, beavers were not even really considered mammals, uh, given their aquatic nature. So their leathery, scaly, fish-like tails were not considered to be red meat. They thought this is probably more like fish. So the Catholic Church allowed people to eat beaver tails during Lent. What a weird detail that they allowed to stay through history. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Someone thought to write that down at some point. Yeah. 
like, yeah, we can eat beaver tails, though, so that's pretty cool. I just love that the Catholic Church, just like all these parishioners going like, well, what about beaver tails? What do you mean, what about beaver tails? <laughs> well, they're not really red meat, right? They're kind of fish. Yeah, I guess so. You can eat beaver tails. <laughs> yes. What about the fish part of the beaver? Yeah, the fish part of the beaver is fine. Eat that. What about its head? No, no, just the tail. No, that's the mammal part. <laughs> what about its balls? Yes. Okay, you can do that. Obviously, it's balls. Yes. Oh, I'm so sick of answering <laughs> these questions. Uh, so, yeah, beavers uh, were a major force in the history of North America, both before and after European colonization. Obviously, aside from the fact that they created these verdant oasises of biodiversity that was very good for humans to be able to go and fish and live off the land, uh, uh, beaver meat was very popular among many American Indian tribes and nations due to the fact that they remain well-fed even in winter. So, uh, you know, it, they have that larder of logs under the water that they have access throughout the winters, throughout the winter. So they stay nice and fatty, whereas other animals might struggle more during the winter. So for a hungry human, finding a beaver, a nice plump beaver during the winter would be a real, real windfall. Now, after uh, European colonization, the fur trade was a major driver of uh, colonization and expansion. In fact, it was so profitable and so popular that it was the cause of the Beaver Wars, also known as the French and Iroquois Wars, from around 1600 to 1700. If you're wondering, like, well, why were beaver pelts so popular? Were people just going around with, like, furry hats all the time? Uh, you could do a lot of modifications to beaver pelts. So they would actually make top hats out of beaver pelts by removing the guard hairs. So it didn't look like a fluffy beaver coat. They would, you know, remove all the guard hairs. And so you'd have this like tough, but uh, very shiny like material that they could make a fancy top hat. Uh, and so that's totally worth nearly driving a species to extinction and taking over <laughs> the land of people who already lived here. Uh, yeah, to get your shiny hats. Kind of what it boiled down to. <laughs> the beaver pelt was, uh, there are a bunch of different hats. You could make like, um, the, remember like Napoleon's type of hat? Like yeah. that kind of hat. Like they they structurally held up very well. Like they'd st stick up off the top of the head very well. And it just kind of like this nice felty material. And hats were, I guess, really important. <laughs> yeah, it was like, like, we went to war for hats. It's weird. Yeah. We like, you know, maybe this is oversimplifying it, but we drove the Native American people from their homes partially because it's like, we can make a lot of money out of hats. It's, right. uh, yeah. Yeah. I saw when I w did look up Lewis and Clark, I was amazed to see how much there was, how much they'd written about the beaver. And it turned out that like Jefferson, <laughs> there's just tons of it. First of all, they did eat it a lot. They was like their favorite thing to eat along yeah. the way. And then they also, uh, they talk about it a lot because I, because I guess Jeff Jefferson was really interested in the fur trade. And like, that was part of the reason that he sent them out there yes. to do this huge exploration, not only to see how far the rivers go and to see how much land they had amassed, but they were like, 
no, we need to set up our own fur trade. And so we need to find out how many beaver we have out yeah. there. <laughs> this is this is like one of the things that is frustrating to me about how like American history is taught in schools because like I think now it's not being whitewashed as much, but it's like, you know, when I was a kid, it was like, yeah, we we needed to find a place to escape religious persecution. And then so that's why we all we have America now. And then as you learn more about it, it's like we really wanted to kill a bunch of beavers and turn them into hats. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it's so and so, so we sadder. like so we like drove them nearly to extinction like did a genocide just so we could have our cool hats right all right yeah they're like we want to kill all these beavers but there's all these people in the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll just move them or kill them i guess uh, yeah yeah it's a uh, yeah no cool cool uh cool history love it Really, uh, really fun than when you're in elementary school and you're like, all right, now you're the pilgrims. <laughs> right. Yeah, fun. Now fun. And- yeah. So, yeah, due to the fur trade, beavers faced uh, near extinction. In the 1800s, beavers were nearing extinction in North America and in Europe. Uh, the Eurasian beaver population at one point dwindled to only about 1,000 individuals. So we were very close to losing the best animal in the world. And I'm not even being sarcastic. Like, without beavers, there would be a lot less biodiversity, a lot of ecosystems collapsing. So after the fur trade became less popular in the 1900s, beaver populations recovered. So now there are over 1 million beavers in Europe. So not, they didn't recover completely, but they did improve greatly. And in North America, there are over 15 million beavers. So that is quite an impressive recovery. Uh, yeah, ecologists know the importance of beavers as architects of biodiverse fertile areas. In uh, Acadia National Park in the U.S., in Maine, the reintroduction of beavers to the area doubled the amount of wetlands in only 50 years. So they're just incredible. Like when we talk about like, oh, we want to terraform Mars. Like, okay, put a bunch of beavers on Mars then. (laughs) It always rubs me the wrong way when it's like, yeah, we got to go colonize Mars. It's like, could we just like focus on one planet at a time? You know, let's fix this one. I'm amazed at the also areas where they have a lot of drought. Like a way that you fix that is you just send beavers. Yeah. Yeah. And like they can fix it. Then they solve the problem of drought. Which is crazy because, you know, you're not getting any more rainfall or anything, but because they dig such deep canals and the, and when they, they raise the water table, that also helps evaporate. It helps a, a the water cycle, evaporation. Yeah. yeah. So like the water sticks around a lot more and it's, ah, I just love them. I love yeah. them, Katie. <laughs> I do too. Beavers are, they're pretty cool. I feel like we talk a lot about like, oh, we could bring back the mammoth or like maybe more reasonably, <laughs> like we could bring back the passenger pigeon, which is not as crazy an idea, but it's like, maybe we should just slow down and just start putting beavers in more places, you know, like <laughs> just like calm down a little bit, start putting beavers like before, you know, we go to the mammoth or the passenger pigeon, because one of the problems with de-extinction is that we got rid of the ecosystem that originally supported passenger pigeons, right. let alone a mammoth. Like we do not have the same 
territory for mammoths to be able to thrive. Uh, I don't know if you've seen North America recently, but (laughs) (laughs) it's not exactly a mammoth haven. Uh, So like we always like these like cool ideas. And then if you're like, could we just put more beavers everywhere? You're like, oh, boo, nerd, you know, but no, seriously, we should be putting beavers everywhere. We are st- we are sort of yeah we're I mean they're doing some of that that's which is great yeah just the humble beaver it's like you know Canada doesn't seem as dorky now does it with all their beaver emblems <laughs> they really do yeah they're they're embracing of weird animals like the loon and the beaver is really inspiring to me yeah um because like they're willing to look past the silliness of the animal and be like look this animal's important. Yeah. Can we all just be adults about this? <laughs> yeah, I wish, you know, because like in the U.S. we're like, oh, bald eagle, that's so metal. And it's like, yeah, no, I mean, bald eagles are really cool. I, I love bald eagles. But yeah, probably we should have gone with a beaver, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's, I don't, I don't know if you're, are you, are you planning to talk about the like areas that are now flooding and everything because of beavers like home? residential areas that are flooding no talk about it because of beavers oh so this is very exciting is that uh beavers are (laughs) you're excited for people being flooded by beavers (laughs) yeah well because you know when we hunted the beaver to almost death that all of a sudden there were all these new like the the places where beavers uh, live the most if you can picture it like a glacial region where a glacier went through an area there's mountains on both sides and then there's a huge uh, like horseshoe valley in the bottom of it and that's like where beavers thrived and when we killed off all the beavers, that just became grasslands, like dried out grasslands. And everyone was like, oh, this is the perfect place to build a city. This is the perfect place to yeah. build a town. And and that's where like golf courses go. That's where ranches go because there's so much fertile. And it's all fertile because of you know, beavers. The beavers made it fertile. Right. Yeah. And so then when beavers are reintroduced or beaver numbers start coming back, they're building dams in anywhere that they oh, hear water. Yeah. And so when they're doing that, all those areas are flooding again. And everyone's like, what the f***? The beavers oh, Take it back, beavers. <laughs> and the beavers and the beavers will do it in a night too. Like people will go out there, they'll like uh culverts are a big problem underneath roads where beavers hear the water in a culvert, they dam up the culvert and it just floods the road. Oh, this is and so, so like, the next day so people good. will come and like re- remove all the, the dam and overnight the beavers will just build it again because oh, they're such hard workers. Yeah, I love this. I mean, like, I feel <laughs> a little sympathy for just like regular people living there, but on the other hand, this is rad. It's the radical change that like we need in politics. Uh, I feel like uh, you know, there's a lot of arguments of like, oh, how how do you actually protest capitalism? I think just being a beaver, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a guy in Ontario. I think he's on Ontario. He's this French Canadian guy who, uh, his for a long time, his job was basically like you got to get the beavers out of this one particular town or this area. And like he was him hunting and killing beavers for a while and trapping them, but he was trapping other things because it's really hard to trap a beaver. You end up catching like different herons and things like that. And he was getting really depressed by it. And then he was like, there's got to be a way to work with the beaver. And he figured <laughs> out that if he, any area that was like a potentially could become this wetland area and they would end up flooding houses and things, he would put in the starts of what could be a, a great beaver dam, but with uh, pipes at the bottom of it. So that, uh, and then he would put um, noise, he'd put it, uh, anywhere that he wanted the beaver, the beaver to build a dam, 
he just put a CD player there yes. that was playing the sound of water. <laughs> yeah, running. because they're tri- they're actually <laughs> triggered by the sound of flowing water to start construction of the dam, and then they're triggered yeah. by the sound of leaks. So, like, if the dam is leaking, they'll go in and locate where the sound is coming from. And it's like, I hear the sound. I hear the sound. I need to pack more <laughs> yeah. sticks where the sound is. Yeah, it's the equivalent of living in a house with, like, a leaky faucet where yeah. you're just like, I can't stand it. I, yeah. won't, I won't live here. God, that'd be so, um, so useful, he, he, having a beaver in the house and just, like, a leaky faucet <laughs> and you wake up and there's just a bunch of sticks in there. But by putting the pipes at the bottom of it, what he can do then is that once they build the dam in that area, if the water table ever gets too high, he just basically opens up the bottom of one of these pipes and like lets out a bunch of the water and <laughs> they can close it right back up uh, again. That's perfect. And living harmoniously sell, with the like beaver. Does he bottle and sell that nice good beaver water? <laughs> beaver, purified uh, water. Just the tiniest bit of pe- beaver piss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the littlest bit. Just a little, just a, um, just a little chef's kiss of beaver piss. Yeah, but I, I love that he's like figured out how to, how to work with them. No, because it's possible. We have to. We, we gotta learn to live with the beaver. That's like, it, it's, it's so important to recognize the importance of beavers because. You know, we, we talk about like, oh, it increases biodiversity and this is good for the environment. I think sometimes people get this perception that we're not really part of the environment. So we don't have to, you know, it's like, oh, it's yeah. nice in theory to care about it. But, you know, we're not, you know, when we're talking about biodiversity, that doesn't really impact humans. But it does, though. It kind of, yeah. yeah, oops, we're kind of, you know, we're all, we're in it. We're in the environment. Uh also, and yeah, now that it has actual like monetary um, consequences, people are like, oh, maybe beavers aren't so bad. That yeah. The, that there are like <laughs> these ranches where there are droughts and then they're looking for anywhere to to put their cattle that actually has water. And so like they'll find other ranches where they know that beavers have like a presence there. And they're like, okay, can we send our cows to your ranch for a while to go graze and eat and everything? Because they're like, they're saving these ranches They're by creating water tables that are a little bit yeah. higher and, and fighting against drought. It is kind of sad, though, that it comes down to like, we have all these droughts and like the sky is orange and we're like, mm, maybe we made a mistake trying to kill off the beavers. <laughs> I'm not trying to turn the beavers into hats. Yikes. <laughs> I, it was fun. I'll admit that. The it hats fun were so shiny, though. They were so shiny. <laughs> Well, before we go, um, I do need to reveal the mystery animal sound from last week. So every week uh, for this new season, I've been playing a little game with you, the listener, and you, the guest, where I play an animal sound, and you've got to guess who's talking. And if you answer correctly and you write to me at creaturefeaturepod at gmail.com, Creature Feature Pod on Instagram or Creature Feet Pod, that's F-E-A-T, not F-E-E-T. That is something very different. On Twitter, I will read aloud the names of the first three people to guess the sound correctly. So uh, as of recording this podcast, actually, nobody has guessed the right answer to last week's mystery animal sound, which is a first. Uh, uh, Everyone's been pretty good at guessing things, so I raised the difficulty level a little bit and um, maybe raised it a little too high because uh, <laughs> this is a tricky one. This is a tricky one. Um, I will, uh, just before releasing this, I'll, I'll keep checking. So if somebody guesses it right, I will insert it here. 
Hello, it's Katie, I'm speaking through a robot since I had to add this in last minute. Beep beep boop boop nobody guessed the right animal, but good hustle everyone. Beep beep death to humans just kidding. So just to remind you and for you to listen to Soren, here is the sound from last week. And the hint was you do not want to get in a knife fight with this guy. All right, so that was the sound. Soren, do you have any guesses? Yes, it's the frog that can uh, it, it can send its own bones through its skin. That is so interesting because uh, I had uh, Ben Bolin on last week, and he yeah. guessed the same thing. And gosh darn it, but you're both wrong. <laughs> wow. It sounds like megafauna. It sounds like something big. It Maybe it is something big. <laughs> But you want to hear what the answer is, Soren, or you got any more guesses? Yeah. All right. No, no, I want to know. The answer is cassowary. So oh, I should have known that. <laughs> oh, God, I'm an idiot. Uh, I love the cassowary. Yeah. I will go to the zoo just to see the cassowary because yeah. they're so pissed off all the time. They're, they're really fun to watch. such angry, angry animals. <laughs> So cassowaries are large, flightless, blue-faced, ornery birds with a five-inch long dagger-like toe claw they can use to stab you. They grow up to six feet tall, which is about 1.8 meters, and they weigh up to 130 pounds, which is about 58 kilograms. You do not want to get into a fight with a cassowary. Uh, They are big, living dinosaurs. They will destroy you. Easily. They're the closest thing we have to a velociraptor yeah. in the modern world. And they, they have this prehistoric plate on the top of their head. Yes. It's so confusing and weird. And Called they, a cask, yes. <laughs> and they are uh, on like testicles hanging from their neck, which is also very strange. Yeah. Like these waddles, whatever those are. <laughs> and they are uh, super territorial. So like they're ready to kill anything. Oh, like, yeah. People get killed by these things in New Guinea all the time because if they water into a cassowary's territory... They'll just come and eviscerate you with their toe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They live in uh, New Guinea. They also, of course, live in Australia. Australia has always got to have a little taste of some of the uh, (laughs) uh, most dangerous animals. Um, And they produce the lowest frequency bird call in the world. In fact, sometimes their rumbling territorial call is so low, it's beyond the range of human hearing. Sometimes it's one of those things where like young, like kids can hear it, but adults can't because as we get older, our hearing gets worse and worse. So like sometimes like a young person will be able to hear the sound better than an older person. Uh, uh, But yeah, so, you know, it is a part of the reason that they can produce this very loud and low frequency is that prehistoric thingy on their head that you described. It's called a cask. It is a hard, keratinous, fin-like protrusion on the top of their heads that is hollow with some sort of fibrous tissue on the inside that helps amplify these terrifying calls. It's, yeah, it is definitely one of those things. I mean, birds technically are dinosaurs. We don't really think of them as dinosaurs. Um, But when you think about like a T-Rex or a velociraptor and you hear a cassowary, you're like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a dinosaur. (laughs) Yep. Okay. The relationship is much, much clearer. You you think about like, well, would it really be too scary to live in dinosaur times? And you 
come face to face with a cassowary and it's like, yeah, no, it'd be bad. It'd suck pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. I would encourage anyone to that knows that they have a zoo nearby with a cassowary at it is to go see that zoo and that cassowary because they look like they want to murder everybody there. They're never at any point are they like, that's ah, fine. I'm just in this. Like all the other animals come to some sort of resignment where they just sort of sit there and they accept yeah. that they're in this cage. Not the cassowary. The cassowary will pace and look at you like it wants to kill you. Because it and does. Heaven forbid. Yeah. Heaven forbid you have other animals that like are wild or the yeah, wild at the zoo. Like sometimes squirrels or peacocks get no. in these individual cages. You will be in luck because the cassowary will chase that and try and kill it. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, they are, I think, the most murderous uh animal in terms of i don't even know if they have the highest kill rate i i i don't think so that's probably like the uh small uh, black-footed cat or something but uh they certainly have the intent i think the the most the most bloodlust of any animal i get just radiating off of a cassowary so cool <laughs> i've changed my mind no longer the beaver fan i want a cassowary <laughs> Between getting shivved by a cassowary uh, foot and getting my femoral artery severed by a beaver tooth, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's what would be worse. Toss up. <laughs> but uh, so uh, we have another mystery sound for you guys to try to guess for next week. Here is a hint for this one. They may sound like a ring wraith, but these passionate fellows have something other than Frodo on the mind. All right, so that's, that's nice. That's cozy. <laughs> Beautiful. A relaxing nature sound. I, I love to relax yeah. with some uh, nature sounds like right before going to bed and just <laughs> so, Soren, you got any guesses for who's talking? Yeah, I got a guess. I'll bleep you out That's if you get it right, so don't hold back. It's a zebra. It might be a wildebeest, but mm. I think it's a zebra. It is not a zebra. I guess I probably shouldn't have said that, but I guess that's another hint. It's not a zebra. <laughs> 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 so there you go. But a uh, very good guess. Uh... Uh, and of course, I will reveal the answer to the Guess Who's Talking contest next Wednesday on the new episode of Creature Feature. Soren, thank you so much for joining me today to talk all about beavers. I feel like we could talk for hours about beavers. Just oh, there's just so much to say. There's so much to say about the noble beaver. Uh, but <laughs> so where can people find you to give you all their beaver takes? Uh, you can find me at, uh, well, first of all, you can listen to my podcast with Daniel O'Brien. Um, we talk about animals very rarely. So if you're having an animal overdose, you can sounds, come and visit. Sounds dumb and boring. <laughs> <laughs> you can visit uh, Quick Question with Soren and Daniel. And I, you can also find me on Twitter at Soren underscore LTD. If you want to send in your guesses, like I said earlier, you can write in at Creature Feature Pod. Uh, at gmail.com creature feature pod on instagram creature feet pod on twitter that's f-e-a-t not f-e-e-t that's something very different and if you are enjoying the show and you want to leave a rating or review 
I do so appreciate it. I read all the reviews and they warm my heart. Uh, and yeah, thank you so much for listening. And thanks to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Exolumina. Preacher Features, a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? Wherever you listen to your favorite shows, I don't judge. It could be anywhere. I, um, that's not my place to tell you where to listen to your podcasts. See you next Wednesday. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.